to love and slow to judge. God, give us your true biblical understanding of judgment. Help us this morning as we look at this important and yet difficult topic. Lord, uh, we need discernment. We don't want to compromise on sin. We don't want to compromise on calling out sin and evil when we see it, but we also want to make sure, Lord, that we have your heart for sinful people and we demonstrate your love and compassion. Give us your wisdom this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, friends, this morning, as I mentioned earlier, we're going to be continuing our series through the book of Matthew. And this morning, we're going to be looking at a passage of Scripture that includes a verse that I would call the most well-known, most misquoted verse in all of Scripture. Uh, our passage for this morning is Matthew chapter 7. We're going to be looking specifically at verses 1 through 5 today. Matthew 7, verses 1 through 5. I'd like for us to begin this morning by reading this passage together uh, before our message. Just a little background again. We are in the midst of what Jesus call, or uh, what has come to be known as the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus' famous discourse known as the Sermon on the Mount. And this is where we pick up our uh, teaching here this morning. We're coming towards the end of this uh, famous discourse. And we find ourselves now in Matthew chapter 7, looking at verses 1 through 5. Let's see what Jesus says here. As we read this passage this morning, I want you to kind of think and see if you can pick out what I would call the most well-known, most misquoted verse in all of Scripture. Starting here in verse 1. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite! First take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Now friends, there's a lot of really interesting and powerful material here in these five short verses. But I'd like to start out by commenting on the verse I referenced a moment ago, what I call the most well-known, most misquoted verse in all of Scripture. Did any of you guys catch the verse I'm talking about? Anybody pick up on the verse I'm talking about? Which one was it? Verse 1, right? Do not judge, or you too will be judged. How many of you have ever heard that verse before? Okay. How many of you have ever heard somebody use that verse in the context of, hey, who are you to judge me? Anybody? Okay. As I said earlier, uh, this passage, this verse in particular, do not judge or you too will be judged, is probably known and quoted by more people in our world today than any other passage of Scripture. And you know, while it's great that so many people are familiar with such an important biblical truth, Unfortunately, the reality is that most people in our world today completely misunderstand and misuse this verse, ripping it totally out of its context and appropriate meaning. See, friends, Jesus had an important truth in mind here when he said, do not judge or you too will be judged. However, the problem is most people in our world today have a totally confused understanding of judgment. And because of this, this verse has probably become the most abused and misused verse in all the Bible. 
How is our world confused today when it comes to the concept of judgment? Well, friends, our world is confused because many people today have bought into a false view of truth. A false view of truth. You see, truth for many in our world today has become nothing more than the sum of our own personal, subjective experiences and preferences. And the idea that there are timeless, universal, absolute truths out there that can be discovered and known has by and large been rejected today. And instead, the reigning mantra today has become the phrase, what's true for you is true for you, and what's true for me is true for me. How many of you guys ever heard somebody say something like that before? Right? That's one of the most popular understandings and notions of truth in our culture today. That what's true for you is true for you, and what's true for me is true for me. And you'll hear this view expressed when it comes to issues related to uh, truth, morality, lifestyles, religion. And because this has become the dominant view of truth in our culture today, what has happened is that uncritical tolerance... Uncritical tolerance has now become one of our culture's highest virtues. For our culture today, since there is no such thing as absolute truth or absolute morality, and since each person determines what is true for them, the popular conclusion then today is that nobody has any right to question or judge anyone else for their beliefs, their choices, or their lifestyle. And so for a world that is bought into this false view of truth, along with its distorted notion of tolerance, Matthew 7 verse 1 has become the favored verse in all of Scripture. And people today use this verse as a hammer to pound back against anyone who would dare to question another person's beliefs choices, or lifestyle. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. Who are you to judge me? That's what Jesus says, right? Unfortunately, though, friends, while Jesus is making a crucially important point here in this verse, most people who quote this verse have completely missed the point. Friends, Jesus certainly did not advocate our culture's blurred understanding of truth nor this popular notion of uncritical tolerance as one of our highest virtues. You know, for us to rightly understand Jesus' point here in Matthew 7.1, we need to first recognize that Jesus himself, along with the whole of Scripture, teaches that there are absolute truths. There is right and wrong. There is good and evil. Throughout the Bible, we find God making judgments on a whole host of issues. Judgments that are based on His holy nature and then given to us in His revealed truth in Scripture. In fact, if you read Matthew chapter 7 alone, Jesus makes judgments all over the place here, just in this chapter. In verse 5, He speaks of hypocrites. In verse 6, he calls certain people dogs and pigs. In verse 15, which we're going to look at more next week, he calls other men false prophets who are wolves dressed in sheep's clothing. 
In verse 20, he says, you will know his true followers by judging the fruit of their actions and their doctrine. Friends, this is just Matthew chapter 7. And Jesus is passing judgment all over the place. If you go on in the book of Matthew, he later calls the Pharisees blind guides and a brood of vipers. Jesus, what are you doing? What about this do not judge stuff here? You know, do not judge. What about all that? Friends, judgment is found throughout the teachings of Jesus Christ. And not only there, but also throughout Scripture. God makes judgments. And He commands His people to make judgments. Again, though, these are not arbitrary and subjective judgments, but they are judgments that are based on God's holy nature and His truth that He's revealed to us in Scripture. So, first of all, we need to understand this. Number one, there is nothing wrong with followers of Jesus Christ making judgments. If. Okay, now this is an important if. If they are based on God's truth, and they follow His standards. Okay, There's nothing wrong with God's people making judgments if they're based on God's truth and they follow His standards. However, the question then becomes, so what kind of judgment is Jesus talking about here in verse 1? Because He does say, do not judge, right? He says that, do not judge or you too will be judged. So what is Jesus talking about? Well, friends, the judgment that Jesus is referring to here in verse 1, the kind of judgment he's condemning, are false judgments. False judgments that are based solely and purely upon our sinful human standards rather than on God's perfect, holy, and righteous standards. Jesus is talking about do not make false judgments And Jesus rightly warns in this passage against passing these types of false judgments. Because these false judgments are both sinful and dangerous. They're sinful and dangerous. They're sinful because they're not based on God's standards. In other words, they're outside of His will for our human relationships with one another. And any time we stray outside of the will of God, we are now straying into the realm of sin. Okay, False judgments are sinful because they're outside of God's will for how He wants for us to relate to one another. And they're dangerous, my friends. These false judgments are dangerous because they hurt people, they damage relationships, and they diminish the power and effectiveness of our witness as the body of Christ in the world. See, false judgments, they hurt people, they damage relationships, and then when the people in the world look at us as Christians, especially making these types of false judgments, it destroys our impact to be a positive witness in the world today. These false judgments are both dangerous and sinful, and this is what Jesus is talking about here when he says, do not judge, or you too will be judged. You know, what are some examples of these false judgments that we can wrongly fall into? Now, I'm assuming that none of us in this room have any problem with casting false judgments on anybody, right? I mean, none of us struggle with that. I know I don't have any issues with that. Just kidding, right? Uh, We all struggle 
right? We all struggle with judging others. And, and I think we are going to recognize that we all struggle with some of these common ways that we can falsely judge others. Let's just look at a few of these because, again, we want to be in alignment with God's standards. He calls us to judge truth and error, sin and uh, right and wrong, good and evil, but we want to be people who do that in alignment with his standards. What are some of these false judgments that we can wrongly fall into? Well, let's see if uh, any of us can relate to any of these. How about this one, number one? Judging others based on appearances. Judging others based on appearances. Now, I came across an interesting uh, column this uh, past week. How many of you are familiar with Ann Landers, the advice columnist, right? Okay, famous advice columnist. Uh, I found an interesting story this week about a grocery store clerk who uh, once wrote in to advice columnist Ann Landers. And uh, she was complaining to Ann Landers that she regularly saw people buying luxury, luxury in her words, food items, things like birthday cakes and bags of shrimp, with their food stamps. And this grocery store clerk was writing in to complain to Ann Landers, saying that she thought that all these people who were on welfare buying these luxury items with their food stamps were being wasteful, they were being lazy, and, uh, and this, these were unnecessary purchases. And she wrote this huge rant about how, how she saw this. Well, a few weeks later, Ann Landers devoted her entire column to people who had written in in response to this grocery store clerk. One person wrote back and said, I didn't buy a cake, but I did buy a big bag of shrimp with food stamps. So what? My husband had been working at a plant for 15 years when it was shut down. The shrimp casserole I made for our wedding anniversary dinner lasted our family three days. Perhaps the grocery store clerk who criticized that woman would have a different view of life after walking a mile in my shoes. Another woman wrote in, I'm the woman who bought the $17 birthday cake and paid for it with food stamps. I thought the checkout woman was going to burn a hole through me with her eyes. What she didn't know is that the cake was for my little girl's birthday. It will be her last. She has bone cancer and will probably be gone within six to eight months. You know, friends, you never know what other people are dealing with, do you? You never know what other people are dealing with. And this is why it's so dangerous and hurtful to judge other people based on appearances alone. These false judgments, they're, they're sinful and they're dangerous because they do damage to other people. Jesus said in John 7.24, Stop judging by mere appearances and make a right judgment. A right judgment, again, a judgment based on God's standards and not our human fleshly standards. 1 Samuel 16.7 reminds us that man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And friends, we need to be very careful about judging people based on appearance alone. It's hard, it's easy to forget that we don't always know what other people are dealing with in their lives. One of the second ways that we often falsely judge other people is by judging others based on insufficient information. Now, this is similar to the last, but a little different. 
I remember uh, in my early years as a pastor, in my first uh, couple opportunities of doing marriage counseling with couples, I learned this, this, uh, the truth of this uh, type of false judgment very quickly. I remember one of my first experiences, I had a guy come into my office and he sat down and for about an hour he just was pouring out his heart telling me you know, how lousy his wife was and she never did this and she never did that and she was always calling me these names and this and that. And, and, uh, and I'm thinking to myself, man, this guy's living with an absolute monster. I mean, I, I'm surprised he survived this long, right? Well, so I built up this whole idea of this, this guy's wife and I'm thinking, man, what a, what a hideous lady he's living with here. Well, a couple days later... The wife comes into my office, and here I'm getting ready to just blast her, you know, and hammer her with God's truth, and she sits down, and she starts pouring out her heart, and you know what? She shared a completely different story, and it was all about what her husband had been doing wrong and the mistakes that he had made, and, you know, I learned very quickly, friends, that there are two sides to every story, and we've got to be careful about judging people based on insufficient information. I don't know how many of you parents out there can relate to this. Uh, how many of you parents have ever judged your kids or punished your kids based on insufficient information? Right? Probably none of you can relate to that. I, I, I remember a few. <laughs> I remember a few weeks ago. A few weeks ago, my kids, Caleb and Addie, they're five and four. They were just going at each other all day long. It was one of those days where it's like back and forth, bickering, complaining, fighting. I, I, I'm sure none of you guys can relate, but but uh, they were just going at each other all day. Kim and I had yelled at them, leave each other alone, play in each other, play in your own room, get out of her room, get away from each other. You know, we're just getting frustrated. Well, Kim and I are down in the kitchen, and all of a sudden we hear this big crash in Addie's room, and all of a sudden Addie starts bawling and crying. And I'm thinking, I'm unbelievable. So I go storming down the hall. I grab Caleb by his arm. I pull him into his room. I say, you're going to sit in your room until you learn to leave your sister alone, all right? And I slam the door shut, and Caleb's yelling that back at me, Dad, I didn't do anything! You know? So I go into Addie's room, and I say to Addie, okay, Addie, what did Caleb do? And she said, I just fell off my bed. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. My stomach just sank, because I realized that I had just totally gotten angry and upset and judged to punish my son he didn't do anything so i had to go into my son's room and i had to apologize and tell him that i made a mistake and tell him i was sorry you know what he said back to me you're not a good dad and you're not a good pastor (laughs) unbelievable oh man proverbs 18 17 says The first to present his case seems right till another comes forward and questions him. You know, friends, we've got to be careful and not rush to judgment without knowing the whole story. Don't judge based on insufficient information. One of the third ways that we often mistakenly judge other people is by judging from afar, or what I call disembodied truth bombs. Disembodied truth bombs. This refers to judging others from a distance when we have no personal connection to them or no personal knowledge of them or their situation or circumstances. And I'll tell you something, friends. This is one of the main hindrances today to people being willing to hear the truth from Christians. Christians who are too quick to judge others from afar, throwing disembodied truth bombs. Author David Kinnaman, in his uh, terrific book titled Unchristian, released just a couple years ago, 
the whole book is about what keeps people in our culture today from putting their trust in Jesus Christ. It's called unchristian. Uh, he highlights in his book a number of troubling statistics from an extensive study that he and the Barna Research Group undertook uh, surveying people born between 1965 and 2002, this group that he calls unchristian. Included in his survey are two statistics that show how those outside the church often view those of us within the church. When asked, uh, when asked nearly 9 out of 10 people, 9 out of 10 of these outsiders outside the church, 87% of them said that the term judgmental accurately describes present-day Christianity. It's one of their main views of the church, judgmental. When asked to define judgmental, one of the most common answers was labeling or criticizing someone you do not know or have no personal contact with. This is what I call throwing disembodied truth bombs. And it's one of the ways that we do the most damage to our witness as the church today, judging people from afar with no understanding or knowledge of them. You know, it's really easy for us as a church to, uh, you know, we kind of bunker down behind church walls and, you know, or behind our computer screens or behind our uh, TV sitting on our couch and we watch the news or we look out at people in our world and, and, uh, and we say, oh man, you know, that guy, uh, that guy just got divorced. He must be a deadbeat. You know, we throw out a truth bomb at him and, and, uh, oh, she's an unwed mother. She's obviously a sinner. And, uh, oh, he went to uh, rehab. He's an alcoholic and we judge him and, and, uh, oh man, oh yeah, he, uh, he's a, he's a pervert over there. We're gonna judge him and throw a truth bomb at him. Oh, that guy's a Somalian. He's gotta be a Muslim. He's probably a terrorist. We throw out a truth bomb at him. Uh, oh, and that guy's gay. We don't, you know, that's a sin. We throw a truth bomb out of that guy. And, uh, and we hide behind our safe church walls and we cast judgments out of people out there without knowing anything about their circumstances, without knowing anything about them as people or their situation. And the world sees us doing this, and this is one of the number one reasons why people aren't interested in the message of Jesus Christ, is because of our tendency to throw out these disembodied truth bombs, judging others from afar with no personal knowledge or personal contact with them. By the way, I'm going to need those truth bombs back for the second hour. Here's the good... (laughs) Here's, here's, here's the good news on this one, though. Here's the good news on this one. Uh, back to uh, David Kinneman's book on Christian. The good news that his research unveiled was this. The problem people have with Christians today isn't necessarily the fact that we hold truth positions strongly. Isn't that interesting? The world out there doesn't necessarily have a problem with us holding truth positions. It's just our proclamation of them, how we go about proclaiming the truths that we hold. I think that's really interesting. The world doesn't have a problem with us making pronouncements about what we think is right and wrong, good, evil, moral, immoral, but it's all about how we proclaim these truths to the world that makes an important difference. I've learned this lesson in a really uh, powerful way here uh, recently in the last few years. I have a really close friend, uh, one of my best friends growing up, probably my best friend in high school. Uh, five years ago, he came into town. Uh, he lives over in New York. He comes into town. We had dinner together, and he sits down and, and 
shares with me that, Jason, uh, I'm gay. I've been living a homosexual lifestyle for the last five years. And I'm just kind of like, wow. You know, this guy's been my friend since we were like five years old. Blew me away. And he starts sharing about his experiences. And, you know, I remember since I was probably in junior high, I've had these attractions to other men. And, and uh, he just shared how for the last five years I've been in New York and I've been dating other men. And, in fact, I'm living with my boyfriend right now. And, and uh, basically he said, Jason, I, I just want you to know this because you're my friend. And he, he basically wanted my blessing. Man, that's a tough one. What do you do there? Well... I, I shared, we had a really powerful conversation that night, and I shared with my friend, you know, I said, I love you. I love you with all my heart, but you know what? I, I cannot give you my blessing in the lifestyle that you're choosing to lead. I said, I think what you're doing is a sin. And I think it's hurtful, it's destructive to you, it's going to lead you nowhere good. You're hurting your friends that you're dating. I said, God has a better plan and purpose for your life than the one you've chosen to live right now. You know, it's been an interesting relationship with my friend the last few years. He knows very clearly that I don't condone his lifestyle and his choice to live a homosexual lifestyle. He knows that I believe it's a sin according to God's word. But you know some of the friends, I guarantee you, if we were to call my buddy up on the phone this morning, he would tell each and every one of you here, that he knows beyond a shadow of a doubt that Jason loves him, that I care about him, I'd do anything for him. See, friends, we need to follow Jesus' model when it comes to judging other people and the sins that they're dealing with. Jesus embodied truth. He took an incarnational approach to truth. He didn't just stand up in heaven and rain down truth bombs on the world telling us how sinful we were, how perverted we were, how evil we were. What did Jesus do? Jesus broke into human history and he came down and he lived amongst sinful people. He cared about sinful people. He loved sinful people. He spent time with sinful people. And friends, Jesus absolutely judged sin. Okay? Jesus did not compromise on calling sin, sin when he saw it. But he balanced his judgments with grace, with love, with compassion. And so that the world heard the message that there is right and wrong. There's good and evil. There's living in God's will and outside God's will. But they understood that God is a God of love and compassion and a God of grace. And we need to have this balance. Now, friends, I'm not saying here this morning that if you don't have a gay friend, you can't speak out against the sin of homosexuality. Okay, That's not what I'm saying, or any other sin for that matter. But what I am saying is, is we need to balance our judgments with grace and truth. And so when we speak out against the various sins that we see in the world, we need to remember that these are people who are wrestling with these sins, who are struggling with these sins. These people aren't the enemy. They're victims of the enemy. And we need to share God's heart of love and compassion for the people in the world who have fallen into these various sins and lifestyles. You know, at the end of the day, it's about winning people's hearts. My dad used to always say, Jason, you can win an intellectual battle and yet lose the war for a person's heart. You know, 
we have the better arguments. Our arguments are based on truth. I mean, that's just plain and simple. We have God's truth on our side. We can win the arguments. We can win the cultural debate. But you know what? If the world looks at us and the way we go about doing that and they say, man, that guy's a jerk. I don't want anything to do with that guy. If that's what being a follower of Jesus is all about, I don't want it. Right? If we go about it that way, we have lost the war for the heart. And it's all about winning people's hearts. Lastly this morning, one of the ways that we can judge wrongly is by judging with a prideful or hypocritical spirit. Judging with a prideful or hypocritical spirit. This is likely the primary type of false judgment that Jesus had in mind here in our passage this morning. Pointing out others' faults. When you yourself have faults of your own that are as big or even bigger. Pointing out others' faults when we have faults of our own that are as big or even bigger. Jesus highlights this error in the book of Luke, chapter 18, verses 9 through 14. Let me just read this story for us this morning. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everybody else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself, God, I thank you that I'm not like these other men, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector over here. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven. But he beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. Because everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. You know, friends, this is probably one of the most common temptations any of us face we're often quick to judge the other guy while completely ignoring our own sins. I found an interesting story about this this week uh, from the book The Baseball Codes. Great illustration of how we're quick to judge the other guy without even looking at our own sins. In the book The Baseball Codes, the authors share about how cheating has become widely accepted within America's favorite pastime. They share a story about Yankees owner George Steinbrenner, uh, the late George Steinbrenner. Uh, Back in 1987, he was watching his team play the California Angels on television and was shocked when the camera zoomed in to show close-ups of what appeared to be a small band-aid on the palm of the left hand of Angels pitcher Don Sutton. The Yankees television broadcasters brought it up whenever the pitcher appeared to grind the ball into his palm between pitches. It was, they said, probably why Sutton's pitches possessed such extraordinary movement that day. He was in all likelihood doctoring or scuffing the ball to help make the ball move better through the air. Well, Steinbrenner was outraged. And he called down to the visitors' dugout at Anaheim Stadium and he lit into the Yankees manager, Lou Pinella. Was he aware, asked Steinbrenner, that Sutton was cheating? Our television announcers know it, yelled Steinbrenner. I'm sure the angels know it. You're probably the only guy in the stadium who doesn't know it. Now get out there and tell the umpires to check on Don Sutton. Well, this wasn't exactly breaking news. Okay? Sutton was well known at the time for being one of the main guys in baseball who would doctor his pitches, right? Well, Pinella, the manager of the Yankees, he responded, George, do you know who taught him how to cheat? 
Steinbrenner confessed he didn't. The guy who taught Don Sutton everything he knows about cheating is the guy pitching for us tonight, Pinella said. You want me to go out there and get Tommy John thrown out too? See, friends, judging the others without dealing with your own sin or shortcoming. We do it all the time. We all struggle with this one. It's one of the primary temptations we face when it comes to judgment. And this is exactly what Jesus was getting at today here in verses 3 through 5 of our passage. This type of hypocritical judgment that first lacks self-assessment and correction. Let's take a look at this, these three verses real quick. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite! First take the plank out of your eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Now friends, notice a few important truths from these few verses. Jesus doesn't say it's wrong to judge, does he? I mean, the guy does have a speck in his eye. He needs help, right? He needs somebody to help him get the speck out of his eye. Nothing wrong with judging that. Just like when we see a brother or sister in Christ struggling with sin... They need our help, right? They need somebody to come alongside them and help them to find freedom from that sin. However, before we dive into surgery to remove the speck from our brother's eye, we must first be honest about the sins or the log, the plank in our own eye. And we need to take care of them first. And then we'll be able to honestly with integrity and humility, help our brother or sister deal with the sins in their life. Take the log out of your own eye, and then you'll be able to see clearly to help your brother or your sister in Christ. See, friends, the ultimate point of this illustration is that God wants restoration to happen. God wants us to correct the sin in our lives and the sin in the lives of others. But there's an appropriate way for us to do this. As I shared earlier, from a biblical standpoint, there is absolutely nothing wrong with followers of Jesus Christ making judgments. In fact, God encourages this. But, okay, this is a big but. They must be based on God's truth and follow his standards. So let me summarize this for us here this morning. Number one, Jesus is not saying that we cannot judge sin. Jesus is not saying that we cannot judge sin. Number two, though, we must judge according to God's standards and not our human fleshly standards. And number three, we need to judge ourselves before judging others. And then we'll be able to judge honestly, with integrity, with humility, with compassion, because we've first been honest about our own sin and shortcomings. Jesus wants us to help our brothers and sisters find freedom from sin. But we first need to be honest and deal with our own sin. Let me just close by saying this. I'm sure a lot of us in this room have struggled with the reality of passing false judgment on other people. I know it's a temptation I wrestle with all the time. If you sit here this morning and you think, you know what, man, I've been judging somebody in my life falsely for a long time. I've been judging my husband falsely. I've been judging my neighbor falsely. I've been judging my co-worker at work falsely. 
if you found a pattern of false judgment in your life, we need to confess that. We need to repent of that. We need to give that back to God and ask for His forgiveness so that we can be free to deal with our own sins and then help others correct the sin in their lives. God wants restoration to take place. If you fall into this pattern of false judgment, 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just, will forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. I want to encourage you this morning, as we close in prayer, if you've fallen into this pattern of false judgment, just give that to the Lord and say, God, please forgive me. Forgive me for judging my neighbor, my friend, my husband, my wife. Help me to deal with my own sin, Lord. And then help me to be in a position where I can go and help others deal with their sin. Let's close in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this important truth you've shared with us here in Matthew 7. Lord, we want to be people who judge appropriately based on who you are and your holiness and based on your standards, Lord, and the revealed truth you've given us. Help us to fight the temptation to judge others based on our fleshly human standards. Forgive us for when we've done that, Lord. God, we confess the sin of false judgment. I confess that sin in my life and if any of my friends out here today need to confess that sin, I'd give them a second right now. Take a second right now and just confess that sin if it's something that you've wrestled with recently. Lord, help us to never compromise on the truth. Help us to never compromise on sin. Help us to have a bold discernment to know right from wrong and even to judge sin when we see it. But Lord, help us to do that with your love, with your grace, with your compassion, remembering that there are people out there who have fallen into sin and you care about them, you care about their hearts, Lord. Help us to share that love and compassion as we seek to help restore people into a right relationship with you. Let it start with us first. In Jesus' name, amen.